Hello and uh, welcome to the delicious recipe here on uh, UPRN. We're doing this on uh, February 1st, but it'll air on February 2nd just for the time being. This one is called You uh, Stew, uh, the Imbolic style. And I have with me uh, Varla Ventura joining me once again for these uh, great uh, two month, quarter months, whatever they come out there, these festivals that happen on there. Welcome, Varla. Why, thank you. Thank you for having me. So going into this part, oh, I should also say there too, is that uh, we're also on uh, Roku there now and that uh, you can watch over there too as well. We're also on the, the other uh, YouTube uh, channels, uh, UFO Paranormal Radio, Done Twice, and uh, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials, and we're on SoundCloud, Speaker, iHeart, all the places where uh, podcasts uh, can be seen. And uh, always a shout out to uh, Hey You Kitty Pot and uh, Blaze there for my my quiet producers that help with the show. So on with the show. So we're looking at this uh, this uh, quarter point, I guess, in between the solstice and equinox is uh, Imbolc. Do you want to tell the people there, Varla, what is what is uh, Imbolc, if I'm saying that correctly? Yeah, I mean, that's how I say it. Uh, so I, we could both be saying it wrong. Uh, <laughs> but Imbolc is the kind of, it is exactly that. It's the halfway point between yule or the winter solstice and the spring um austera the kind of beginning the beginning of spring and it's essentially a time to recognize the bounty of the earth at a time when there is no um actual bounty so it's a way of um kind of bringing light into an otherwise dark time but unlike the solstice where you're kind of um just beginning to enter into the darkness of winter here we kind of at this point can kind of see the light and so um, ritualistically this is represented by bonfires and um, uh, candles um, crown uh, Bridget is often portrayed with a crown of candles um, and it's a time, you know, and then of course, so symbolically, you're bringing the light in. Ritualistically, you're bringing actual fire into um, your hearth, your home, your lands, um, whatever you have. And um, like on a more metaphysical level, what you're actually doing is sort of saying, hey, you know, mother goddess, we know you're amazing. We know you're coming. We're, we're, we're holding out for you. We, we know this, this um, winter will end and we're asking for a, um, an abundant spring. Right. Yes. And uh, this, this part, the mother goddess Bridget, right. This is the one that has sort of been there. And I sort of looked at this there, I guess she was like the daughter of uh, the Dagda, I guess the, I guess he was sort of uh, the, the main uh, guy of magic and mysticism or whatever i guess in that that part in of that, ireland yeah uh-huh yeah, uh-huh of that celtic lore but uh she she plays a pretty big role and I, we were talking earlier there how how we've said this many times about how pagan traditions seem to get hijacked as well <laughs> and uh absolutely and yeah there's a, a bit about that but she 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 pulled it like the the mother goddess uh bridget uh i guess that uh, if uh, if you'd say there is that uh, she was sort of uh, she brings this whole rejuvenation, I guess, as part of her thing. But she holds many other titles, I guess, as well, too. Oh, it, she's one of the um, patron saints 
uh, I mean, she's she's now a saint, Saint Bridget, but she is a, a goddess of of healing and um, medicine. She can be called upon for you know ritual rituals involving medicine and and healing, um, as well as uh, kind of you know guardianship during birth and um, and even in the passage in into death. Um, but also, she she is kind of a representation of all of the uh, of the goddesses. She has kind of that whole mother maiden and crone in in her in her um, just as Mother Nature does. But Bridget in particular is sacred to this time because she is able to kind of carry people through difficult times. I think that's probably why she has become associated with medicine and healing mm-hmm. um, because you you're seeking out healing because you're hurt. Um, and so those are often the most difficult times um, for us physically and psychologically as this part of winter is often the most difficult time. Um, it's not, you know, there's not a big holiday around the corner. Right. Um, there's a, you know, kind of gotten through sort of the like beginning of the year slump and getting back to things. And then there's this kind of stretch here. Um, over the next month and a half, depending on where you live exactly, of course, you know, your winter may be shorter or longer. Um, but there's this kind of stretch where it feels a little bit like limbo. And so it's important to have this. And certainly was important during a time when people really relied on the harvest of the land and what the earth gave them um, to, to be able to mark that. Right. Yeah, and also too is that uh, she's one of the the few goddesses that's uh, uh, referenced as a three part person. Right? Like uh, she holds uh, inspiration with the the hammer for blacksmiths, the healing cup there for the for that <clears throat> for uh, the birth, and I guess the part with the U uh, that uh, which is a female sheep is the birthing of sheep at that time. And something that I had read there is that that which was sort of important there too is that with the birth of a sheep that gave you milk and that was I mean mm. as your food stores were running down you had this nutritious milk that you'd be able to help to carry you through and the new uh, outcropping of uh, plants that sort of come up at this time as well as the snow is starting to melt a little bit and the the first little bits of greenery come up right yeah and that's a really good point about <coughs> the. Um that as you know we know that spring represents birth and and new beginnings but it's also you know the just the act of being um you know like livestock being pregnant and giving birth also provides humans with milk the act of of gestation will create that in you know the cow or the sheep or the um you know, the, the goat. And so that also does carry you through just in a very like basic human need mm-hmm. to have that kind of sustenance. And so it makes sense that she's, that's, that's an animal that's, that's um, associated with her and, and sacred to her as well. Not to mention, you know, you got wool, which keeps you warm and, right. um, you know, gets you through the, the cold nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that, that, I guess that's the sort of the amazing part uh, about uh, these old pagan re- uh, uh, traditions or, or the way that they sort of looked at things before religion sort of got in and sort of hijacked a lot of this stuff to take over for themselves to bring into Catholicism is that 
you're looking at areas in, in the world that very cold and very hard winters and uh, very hard growing seasons and stuff like that. And they were very, I guess, even with the way that the, the pagan now calendar is sort of set up at all these sort of every two month points or whatever, or not two months or whatever, the, how it separates out there, the seasons and with the in-betweens with the solstices and stuff like that, that these were all important times to make sure that you harvest there, you got food going, then everything like this, everything was sort of uh, done, sort of uh, time scheduled out, I guess, throughout the year. And these in-between points that I just uh, say is that these were all called, what I guess the, the Celtics called these fire festivals or something like that. Whereas like the solstice and equinoxes were sort of different ones, but like with Samhain and stuff like that, big fires and stuff like that. Is there any reason that these ones were sort of associated with the fire, with these festivals? I think if you look at, um, if you look at like the times in particular, I mean, there's something very just, we can all relate to the um, that kind of bonding ritual of standing around a fire, whether that's, you know, when you're camping or on your own property or you're doing actually like a big ritual bonfire. And the other thing about bonfires is that, you know, apart, apart from getting the wood, they're essentially free. And so everyone can bring a few branches here, a few branches there, um, some, some dried husks or whatever it is that you have available to light on on that fire and so it becomes a very communal experience um and so i think there's a uh, sort of a an offering element involved in that with a lot of the um big bonfire related festivals you also had um you know the idea that you could take some of that uh you know a coal from that fire and bring it back to your own house to kind of um, to your own hearth to sort of set the tone. And we don't really think of this as the new year in the, in the Celtic wheel of the year, but in other cultures, it is a new year, um, you know, in our Western, you know, Westernized North American culture, it's the beginning of the new year or very close to it. Um, it's the lunar new year. So it's the beginning of a new um, season, mm -hmm. a new year. And so um, it just has this very kind of cleansing property to it. So I think there's some practicalities of it just being essentially, you know, a, a free resource right. that everyone could, could gather around, but also that it's very, um, you know, it's very cleansing and symbolic. In addition, there are probably, there's probably some agricultural value to that um you know if you look at like um sawing so you're talking about like you know halloween time yeah. and you're you're basically gonna just burn down whatever's left and you know harvest what's in the fields burn down mm -hmm. whatever whatever is left and kind of just set clean. that that uh yeah clean clean the fields and then you know your harvest the next year is going to be easier plus we know that when we have ash we have put potash, which is a really valuable um, uh, nutrient for plants. Plants have to have that, oh, you know, yeah. you've got to have nitrogen, um, potash, and um, oh, what's the third one? Pota potassium. potassium. Yeah, potassium. potassium potash, yeah. 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 
Yeah. So um, the actual, there's those practicalities as well, especially if you're thinking of like, you know, an agricultural society kind of built around um, having this, um, having these things take place like out, out in the field. So there's some value also in, in um, how it kind of scorches the earth. Right. Yeah, that's good. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. Preparing for the, 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 the new season and to yeah. going into things. Yeah. It's like uh, right now here where I am up in Thunder Bay, well, if, uh, for February 1st, I still have about uh, four, <laughs> four feet of snow. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I've got two only. So yeah. A little further South down here in the tropics, <laughs> yeah, the tro- <laughs> tropics of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also there was, uh, we, 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 you showed me something there just beforehand is, uh, I, I guess uh, there's some sort of figurines and I guess this, I guess these would have been made with the, the old stalks of the, of uh, the harvest that was done from the fall oh, yes. time. The, the corn, the corn husk, <laughs> the little corn husk dolly. So these are a very common um, toy that were made mm-hmm. um, uh, around uh, in, in our considered sacred to to Bridget and then um, we had also mentioned there's um, kind of a, a cross it's called Bridget's cross I don't have one here with me um, yeah. but that's another kind of put this put this little guy over here trying to find a spot for <laughs> my son made me that <laughs> um, but it you know it's it's because Bridget is the mother mm-hmm. the act of making a dolly for children to carry as if it's their own baby um that also has a lot of tie-in with the idea of celebrating birth and the rebirth um rather than looking at it as something scary as something you're not allowed to know about something that is you know um a negative or in some way a burden looking at it as a real gift and um, that renewal of life being part of it. So the act of making little effigies basically of Bridget and then carrying them around as little, um, you know, uh, versions, you can imagine all these little kids running around pretending that they're those are their, their babies. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess anything that sort of, I guess that uh, sort of just reminds you about uh, who you are and uh, and uh, what you're doing there for the for uh, well, anyways for uh, for for just uh, I guess sort of uh, looking at for some sort of some semblance of uh, some sort of thing that you're hope for it's going to be a good year that you're sort of putting sure. some little bit of. Uh, that sort of feeling in towards that, I guess. that was- Yes. That idea of hope and renewal and something like what is more hopeful than, you know, a tiny baby or a little baby sheep or, you know, a little baby goat or a tiny little chick that you might hold in your hand. And so the idea of like celebrating that, but it also, you know, effective rituals tie in um, all ages. So while there may have been aspects of every gathering that were, you know, different people's responsibilities, um, you know, children are part of that, uh, are part of that ritual. And so having a way for like that, I always find that really interesting too, especially, you know, as a mom, just trying to like think, Oh, what did, what did kids back then do? How did they participate in this ritual? 
like I know we talked about um, uh, back in October when we were talking about Halloween, about the sort of tradition of trick or treating and how that sort of evolved of children going around and gathering uh, something to contribute to the big communal bonfire, whether it was food or um, wood to actually put in the fire mm -hmm. um, and that eventually uh, or a, a, a monetary contribution so people could buy enough for everyone to share. And that eventually kind of evolves into, you know, the more modern idea of going, um, you know, door to door and getting Snickers. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I guess in a way, it, uh, well, you got to figure, well, the population back then is nowhere close to where uh, 7.6 billion people here anyways, right. but, but uh, yeah. uh, a lot less, uh, considerably a lot less. But uh, I guess in a way you sort of look at this is that it sort of uh, allowed an equalization for people that may, might not have been doing as well as somebody else down the road. So you sort of got to even out a little bit of your resources if you had a little bit more, like especially like during Halloween time. That, that part of Sam Hain was that you went out and you got a little bit of this and you gave what you could and you got back a little bit more. And I guess it sort of helped out to allow you to go forward. Yeah. The, the original socialists, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's free healthcare and, uh... yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And there, there is that kind of like um, the group mindset that it's important to, that everybody puts in, whatever their, their share is. So, um, you know, you might, that, that didn't mean that people didn't have their own property or their own lands or, or, and there weren't leaders. Right. But it meant that, uh, everyone collectively recognized the importance of this time and that, um, you know, whether that was in bulk and the beginning of the spring, um, the turning towards spring or, if, you know, whatever, whatever season it is that, it, that, you know, it's kind of an all hands on deck mentality. And we've spoken before about how there are, you know, it's no surprise that there are very um, specific Catholic holidays that coincide in some cases, almost directly with some of these original pagan traditions, but mm -hmm. it was a really smart move on the you know good pr move from the from the catholic church as they right. were converting the you know the heathens the pagans yep to continue to create a ritual at a time that was you know i mean you don't take you can't just take away all the fun at once right right you have to do it gradually <laughs> well, yeah. well that, that, that's the whole thing about changing history and uh like uh people like uh joseph goebbels and ever bernays talked about this is that you repeat something or you uh long enough people believe it to be true right so mm -hmm. even see that even happening today changing uh storylines there and changing uh the narratives and they're changing characters out and so you the new generation that sort of uh, see this now they don't remember how the story was uh, 40 years ago because right. they, all they've seen is the new version and that's if you look at that there is how how the the catholic uh, or catholicism came in and sort of hijacked this this is the actually the most blatant one period out of all all of the stuff because bridget was a, uh, i looked at my research there there was no saint bridget anyway so there they they sort of uh created her and took yeah. everything that she was from her goddess staff. called her a saint yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yes and then they took the whole thing well i guess the, the even the story there that i was looking in with uh bridget there is uh, there, there was other parts to her besides having uh, being a, a three-part goddess 
that had like the healing cup and the the Smithy's uh, hammer for uh, inspiration in that. She also uh, traveled around with uh, that, that. I don't know if uh, maybe you know this, or maybe you can say more. She traveled around with two p- powerful oxen. I can't remember what their names is. A famous boar from a Thurian legend and a legendary ram, the king of sheep. Mm. She is frequently depicted um, as having, you know, basically these like uh, this small herd like this this livestock and there's actually quite a few celtic goddesses who are sacredly associated with cows in particular oxen um and she and and i think that that also owes to her um association with i mean you know oxen have been used or cows have been used in 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 livestock um in general to create the right kind of environment to plant things for, right. you know, as long as we've had any kind of domesticated livestock um, mm. and cross culturally in many cultures, they turn the soil naturally. They fertilize the soil naturally. They eat the stuff that you don't want there anymore. Right. Um, and then of course, eventually we were able to hook up, you know, little um, harrows to them and, and yeah. um, um, plow things, which remind me, I said the word harrow cause I have a kind of a funny, cool, um thing about that word okay uh, that ties in with the word hearse but um okay because i was gonna say yoke but uh yeah hero okay that's, that's but uh, but yeah but but a yoke and then basically just the idea that you know that those were you I mean those were already sacred animals and very strong kind of shows um just her importance in um the the role and i think that we we probably think today more about kind of the, the big holidays. Right. So we think about the Yule solstice connection or the um, sowing Halloween connection, but these, what might be considered, yeah, like these lesser holidays, they're, they're midway points yeah. while they weren't necessarily, um, they, they didn't represent the same things. They were mm-hmm. uh, equally Im- important in kind of progressing through the, you know, the Celtic will of the year. Right. For sure. Yeah. See, like uh, with the, the the big four, right? The the equinoxes and uh, the solstices. Those ones, I guess you would say, maybe is that they were more uh, related to uh, the heavens, what was going on in there, and then these ones were sort of maybe a, a reminder in the middle that uh, you're in it, between, maybe. It, and and morale boosters also, you right. know, like um, hey, guess what? You know, because it's it's hard to know. You know, it's kind of like if you're you're in the middle of um, doing something really difficult right? and you don't have any access to the time at a certain point, like you need to know how much longer am I going to do this? Because right. uh, honestly, if you're, if you're sitting there doing sit-ups or something and someone comes along and says just two more, suddenly you feel fine. <laughs> right. But if you're just like, I've been doing this a while and it hurts, uh, you know, so I need, I need some kind of check in there. So they were checking points. Um, you know, again, spiritually and um, psychologically, as well as, um, you know, the the absolute uh, practical connection to the earth that was required right. to have to to make these offerings and to um, ensure some kind of uh, some kind of harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even going into this part with this uh, part with the fire. 
because this is a part that was sort of taken uh, by the Catholic Church was uh, candle moss. Mm-hmm. And they sort of really did this part with this candle and the candle was a, like a blessing of a candle. And this ties into the part where it moved into being a hedgehog into a groundhog from the Germans <laughs> over to here. Yeah. And Puxitani <laughs> Phil. Yeah. Right. Because that was the whole part about this, this February 1st time was this was for that, that, that point before the spring to find out if you're going to have six more weeks of, uh, of a disastrous winter still ahead or right. it's going to be a nice, depending on yeah. how the shadow was. If it was sunny, that's the shadow was there six more uh, weeks of winter. And then if it was whatever cloudy and there was no sort of real reflection down, that's how they sort of went with the candle. And then this gets even crazier. Like the way that they sort of really pulled all this stuff there and really uh, religiousized it all. It was yeah. it's sort of amazing because yeah. they, they pushed this whole thing into the 40 days after the birth of, uh, of Jesus Christ, which was supposed to be uh, December 25th, which is very debatable whether that was there because uh, they were paying taxes and taxes you don't pay at the end of Christmas. You paid that sort of in the fall time. But uh, mm-hmm. at that time there, because when they were traveling by a donkey across the, there, there was no snow at the, at the end they were going to there. It was just, it, just, there's a lot of different. Debate there's a few, there. there's a few plot holes. We'll yeah, admit. Some, something <laughs> a little bit different with days, but the way that they pulled it <laughs> is that, okay, so you have the birth there and then 40 days later, this is how they sort of did this with this presentation of the temple and presentation of the child it goes back to Moses with the firstborn son being presented there to the Lord. And then the woman, after she gave birth, she had to wait 40 days to, for a cleansing. That's why she went in for a prayer, was given this candle, which is a, <laughs> a candle that would show about uh, cleansing for the year and this, uh, this holy candle was good. So in any times of darkness, you had this sort of this light source that was there. The story gets really, really unbelievable how they really tried to really push it and tie it into them so tightly. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yes. And in different parts of the world, you know, kind of taking that same idea and just, that is how we end up with all of these different stories around the same holiday, because, you know, you're going to, you're going to, say one thing over here and something else over here to kind of like pull it in. And then of course people are just going to uh, adopt their own and adapt their own things or see, see their own parallels. And like, you know, of course, you know, observing animals is an excellent way to figure out how hard the winter is going to be and how soft mm-hmm. the spring will be. Right. Like I always watch the squirrels with great trepidation here. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they're really active. It's going to be a long cold winter. Oh. And so it has been. No, don't talk to so. me about squirrels. Uh, <laughs> they, they call those uh, rats with a furry tail. Yeah, I, I, yeah. chipmunks <laughs> I can handle. Squirrels, no. The amount of damage they do out at camp with wires. And, oh, uh, they just, are they are crafty. They are crafty. Yes, they are. But yep. uh, another part there out of here too is well, she, with the healing stuff. I, I I just saw this even earlier today. There, they have this thing in I guess in Ireland. They held the Irish holy way, uh, holy wells, and mm, with mm-hmm. healing, and they actually do trips to these things, and they put these little effigies and uh, the Bridget's Cross and that little man guy there out of straw. Uh, anything about that? So I've been to quite a few of those those wells. They're they're really kind of they're fairy wells. Okay. And um, they have been. Um, I mean, there's 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 sacred to different 
things. Um, some people might call them the fairy well, or they might call it, you know, Bridget's well. Um, there was one that I visited that was used during Celtic times um, to, uh, to do rituals and to kind of um, cleanse in preparation for, you know, just kind of connecting with the, the fairy kingdom that right. then became, um, now it's sacred to St. Patrick. <laughs> so oh, okay and there there was there's even you know there's a um there's a little shrine there with various offerings and things like that and so you know one thing in particular in ireland as my observation is that that you know the irish irish culture is is a strong culture and it's very resilient and adaptable and so as you know they they're not um throwing you know lack of a better term baby out with the bathwater there right. are many people that still recognize the importance of old ways and you know the new ways of the church or were raised in the church but aren't discounting um the the rich tradition and and lore from that area so um but yeah, there there are Bridget Wells. I actually have some water from one. Um, oh, really? And um, yeah, that's I have I have some water from uh, one one from a well in Ireland, one from uh, a well that my mom visited in Scotland, and I cannot remember um, it, who that well was dedicated to. And then I have some water from something very similar from um, in Venice, Italy. There is a little a little place that has um, uh, aqua di incoable and it's basically the water of the incurables and it's supposed oh. to be this healing miracle water that if you drink it it heals i mean people would would bring you know their children from all around and, and ill relatives from from all all around the country to this particular um you know aquifer this this mineral spring in the middle of the um of the city and I've always, you know, I mean, and, and I'm not going in there taking water, like, you know, these are places <laughs> where you're allowed to take, you're allowed to take a little water. And, um, you know, I just have like a tiny little bottle that, uh, yeah. but like the brought same, to you the, by Desani. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but the Bridget, um, I actually used that when my, um, to bless my son, when he was born, I, I used okay. some of that water. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah this, that, well, that's, that's another part. Oh, I was in, there's two parts of this. I'm going to ask you about this. So, uh, the part about the water here anyways, the, uh, that's a really interesting, uh, healing waters. Like, uh, there was the fountain of youth. There was a, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the parts with that, uh, I think that was it Ponce de, de Leon or Cortez or something. Was, was I think it was Ponce de Leon was looking for the, uh, the fountain of youth and it's said to have found it in Florida. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, uh, since we're also there too, as we talked many times there about these, uh, magical little, uh, little creatures in that, is there anything about them that is around this time here around this? I know we have, uh, later on, we'll have, uh, we have uh, Valentine's Day that ended up becoming St. Valentine's Day that was also brought <laughs> <laughs> then then it became commercialized to these little uh little card the card company took that all over. Yeah, all you gotta that. do is throw a saint in front of it and it becomes <laughs> Catholic. So you're you're good to go. go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, well yeah, but, uh, because this is like this is a great time for um uh recognizing and kind of um being respectful and perhaps making offerings to some of the um the fairy kingdom mm -hmm. because 
you know, that's a, that, that kind of is, is so tied in with the earth and um, what's kind of living just beneath the earth and these fairy mounds and, and these dwellings. And if you think of it rather than it being like different, um, like a different classification, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the fairy kingdom is that other world. And there are a lot of things that can go to and fro, whether it's a strange creature, um, goddesses and gods usually have the ability to pass easily between kind of the world of mortals and the, and the world of, um, fairies. But, um, there's just, you know, it's just a great time to just be on the lookout for them as well, because as, um, things are springing forth from the earth, so too, they may be kind of, uh, flitting about and there are plenty of warnings to not be out late at night. Now in practicality, you could be caught unaware uh, with, you know, temperatures dropping and it wouldn't be safe, but also there's, you know, plenty of, um, plenty of darkness still and mm. getting, getting caught away from your home where you're supposed to be contributing to the, um, you know, the communal good, whether that's of your family or the, the village or wherever you're living, if you're out gallivanting about in the fields at midnight doing who knows what with who knows who, <laughs> 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 then, um, you know, that's going to be considered bad, bad luck. It, it definitely, that is another thing about it, though, it is it is a time to just as with some of the other um other holidays, it's also a great time because the weather is still, it's still cold, but it's not quite as, um, as severe. Um, it is a good time. People, people spend time uh, cleaning, uh, sort of bringing in, like trying to, to kind of sweep in good luck and um, to just sort of, you know, really try and mentally focus on looking forward. Right. So that can be a great practice just in our you know that's that's why we have the whole you know, whatever new new year resolutions right is because yeah. we're we're trying to set our intentions for for the year and i'm not a big resolution person because i just feel like that i'm just too much of a rebel to set a, a, a give myself a, a resolution and then just because i gave it to myself i immediately want to break it even if it's bad for me so to, to do so <laughs> So I feel, but I do really like the idea of setting intentions. And I think that that's probably the one thing that I do regularly at these different kind of intervals and um, whether you follow it precisely or, you know, you're listening to this three days later, it's not too late. You too can burn an inbuilt candle. Right. <laughs> you too can invoke the healing um, and loving energy of Bridget and you can, you know, kind of uh, just mark this time. It, it really can help mentally to just have some sort of um you know it could be a cleaning it can be a, a ritual it can be both things it can be um a meal you know putting together a, a lovely meal of root vegetables that you've basically you know hoarded through the winter right <laughs> that you know the last of your of restore trusting that there will be more mm -hmm. not going overboard but trusting that there will be more right um is is a big part of it too well, that, I guess that, that, that sort of ties in this whole thing with, uh, well, with Bridget there with uh, the part of uh, rejuvenation and, uh, and birth and stuff like that is that trust part is that it, if you're, if you're following along and you're thank being thankful for what the, uh, 
the spoils of the earth have uh, given you through the past year that you you maintain that faith that that will continue on uh yeah into the into the coming year that you go through this whole rigmarole over and over and over again right the the wheel of time <laughs> yeah 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 that you're marking it you're acknowledging it but you also are taking part in it mm -hmm. yeah just letting it happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was just uh, i was sort of thinking about like uh we talked about during christmas time there about the yule lads i was just wondering if there oh, was yeah. any cra any any crazy I uh <laughs> I, I really stuff. I'd have to dig into the I, I actually that would that would be a, a great um, area to explore. I don't know much more about some of the because the, that's Icelandic. Yeah. And I'm sure there's many, many other um, creatures and events that that take place throughout throughout the year. But off the top of my head, I don't know of any like those. Those are like the fantastic for for whatever reason, between basically October and December, all of the good creatures come out to pray and play, you know? So yeah, yeah. Um, there are, there's, of course, the association with witches, um, which in, you know, um, you know, later times became a negative and became, you know, the association of like dancing with the, with the devil and, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, being in basically trying to hurt people, which is really quite the opposite of what, witches are all about mm -hmm. i mean some witches hurt people um but usually only the ones that deserve it right, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> well you, you sort of see that it's always sort of interesting when you when you see the 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 characters that are in there right so you have the women things of uh, birth and goodness and stuff like that then you have sam hain you have the the guys that are all bad and uh cause all the ruckus and that yeah, and you have the cavorting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have the yule lads that go and steal your sausages and uh right but, the but keep and... in mind that the yule lads are all at the command of their mother who is a witch <laughs> oh that's true yes that's right she's, she's yeah she's a head witch <laughs> but an another thing that i i noticed there too and uh actually if uh, people out there listening there there's actually a really great uh series on youtube there it's uh this channel called the the Fortress of Lau. I think it's spelled L-U-G-H. And he goes through a lot of the, the, the Celtic uh, mythology, uh, giants, fairies, and uh, oh, all cool. these different uh, festivals and stuff like that. And he goes back into where the meanings of the words are, like how they come from like, uh, like old German or wherever from and stuff like that. But one thing that I sort of uh, noticed there, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, is that a lot of the characters that... Uh, I'll just say characters, but uh, entities, characters, people there, they all deal with some sort of faction of, of living, whether it's hammering a nail in something, cooking a, a sausage, plowing a field. Dealing and, a sausage. <laughs> yeah. But, but their, yeah. their name is associated with the action. A lot of a yeah, lot of like the origin of that, of that name uh, is, yeah. I mean, I think that that, that's certainly the case, or they are representing an aspect of our own humanity, which then, you know, like within, within um, the Christianization of a lot of that folklore, you have a moral imposed. Mm -hmm. uh, there might have been a moral of the story already, but a new moral will be imposed, and that'll usually be, you know, being pious and good and, you know, 
not drinking or wearing red shoes are all right. like the good things. And then otherwise, you know, being greedy and um, wild and, um, you know, running around in the forest, right? Um, being negatives or whatever, whatever it is. Um, mm. But yeah, so you, you will have something, I mean, I guess we can kind of think about that when you get into even just like our, you know, our modern days of the week yeah, and oh yeah. right. Like Thursday being Taurus day and yeah. being Thursday being sacred to the God Thor. And mm -hmm. therefore it was because he is the, um, you know, the God of thunder, but also had his, his hammer that he slams down to, to create thunder and, and lightning. It's also a day of hard work. Right. Traditionally. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you, yeah, you, and, and I think if you, if you, and then, and that's really fun to do, actually, I, I love doing that. I know that one of the, one of the um, terms um, of goblin is used in a variety of different ways. And I, I, I've seen that even in some of the older lore or the way that people refer to, you know, they might call, um, they might say something's a puka and they mean like a fairy spirit, but they aren't necessarily talking about what mm -hmm. I consider a puka, which would be a shape-shifting like horse slash rabbit right. fairy. But it could also be used in the way we might just use the term ghost or ghoul or goblin. But goblin's kind of an interesting one because you've got goblins, you've got hobgoblins, you've got coblin. I mm -hmm. think the um, the Welsh word is like coblin. And then that kind of evolved into uh, being pronounced goblin in other places. But all of these creatures d are kind of similar in that they're somewhat do domesticated. They're sort of like um, helpful fairies that are, are, are industrious and work hard, but also can be very mischievous and play tricks, um, especially toward people who don't work as hard as they should be. And so hard work again is rewarded. And, um, and even leprechauns have the, they're, they're thought of as the cobblers of the fairy kingdom. Okay. And so the word origins, like that's, that's a really important part of any kind of like looking into um, folklore and, and backstories is that you have, you know, we we're thinking in English, right. But you right. have, you have a, an English interpretation probably during like the Victorian era of somebody whose first language may not have been English. It may have been Irish or, um, you know, Scots Gaelic or, or Welsh. And, and um, so then there's some misinterpretation or you, you see that all the time in North America, right? Like the way mm -hmm. we write down um, the names of first, peoples or, or, or places of, you know, indigenous names and, and it's spelled completely differently or we lump them all in to one tribe because we don't actually understand the subtleties of the different nations. Mm -hmm. So you see that all the time, right? Where, where like this kind of, we're, we are still unpacking that, but it's always very interesting to see all the different, um, all the different influences. And also, you know, like, I, I've been doing some additional werewolf research lately. Ooh. Yeah. And I have, just because it's the delicious recipe, I want to read you a really fun recipe that is werewolf-related awesome. um, oh, before, before we wrap up here. But um, yeah, so the word, so the word origin, I just, I would, I would just say keep an open mind when you learn that something's called something because right. you don't, 
you know, you don't always know the chain of command is frequently lost in that okay. translation. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you want it. I wanted to tell you one thing, this is harvest related, but it's just, Oh kind of yeah. Oh. You're going to say that thing that was called the. Uh, not... Okay. So this is yeah. just a fun, this is a fun fact. And it doesn't have really anything to do with in bulk, but it kind of does have to do with harvest, but it has to do with word origins. And it actually, I have to remember the whole sequence. So, so it has to do with um, the word hearse, the modern word hearse, which we know to be a slow moving vehicle that carries a coffin from, you know, the wake or the visitation to the, the mortuary, to the, to the cemetery. So once upon a time there, you know, there was a thing called a harrow or it was referred to as a harrow, which was basically like a many tined um, pitchfork and it was used to turn the soil. Mm -hmm. um, at one point, now it was actually called something else. Let's see if I can remember the origins. It was a harrow and then. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's turned upside down. And it's sort of, you know, laid aside and people go into the church. This is as, um, you know, Christianity is starting to occupy more of Europe. Right. And it's, it's sort of flipped over and it's, it's, it reminds the um, ecclesiastical ministers of a candelabra. And so it becomes placed on top of... Um, it, they they start referring to this candelabra as this harrow, okay. which that's what like the locals are calling it because it looks like it and it kind of makes sense. They walk into this church they've never seen before. Well, that looks like an upside down pitchfork. We're going to call that a harrow. Okay. Um, that harrow is placed on the altar and is is lit and and full of candles. That is then in turn often placed on when when um, the coffins are placed in the church when people aren't having wakes so much in their house or even when they are, that candelabra is then placed on top of the coffin as a means of kind of, um, you know, making that part of the ritual. Mm -hmm. So now we have this thing called a harrow that's now sitting on top of a coffin. So then that is actually kind of the whole thing eventually starts being called a harrow. Right. Then that becomes the, the, you put the coffin on the cart and you're going very slowly so that you don't blow the candles out that then starts being referred to as a hearse which is like kind of a derivation of this word harrow which has probably you know been called a har for a while now it's right. a, a hearse and eventually that becomes known as a hearse referring to the cart the coffin and the candelabra the candelabra is eventually taken away, but the cart and the coffin stay. Right. That's called a hearse. And then, of course, we have um, the tradition of driving. So, you know, we think it's out of respect, right, that we drive slowly through the cemetery. But once mm -hmm. upon a time, it was because you had to go slow. So the candles didn't go out. The candles are gone now. Now you just have the whole thing. And eventually that entire vehicle carrying the coffin becomes known as a hearse and that all comes from basically an upside down pitchfork <laughs> wow that, isn't no, that I, so cool <laughs> that, that 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 is amazing because i there, there's a bunch of other things there is why uh I, 
I'm actually probably going to do a show on this in probably a couple of months. I've been writing about this, about why we do certain things a certain way mm. when it has, it, it, it bears no meaning to, for, for doing it in the first place. Right. right. Like, like I, I always thought there, the, the reason for the, the hearse going slow was because you had people uh, lining the streets to, uh, to mourn as they went through, pay their right. respects. But, but that's not really actually, really true i guess in a way because uh i guess if you if you were a king or a queen or something like that or high royalty or high something like that then you would have like the the masses would come out to see you as you were being taken to uh your six foot under slumber but uh for any joe blow they were probably yeah. thrown in the <laughs> in the back of uh yeah it was matt uh, it, it was yeah all, uh, as many in the car as possible and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or like um, another one that I really love is the story uh, be behind the, the um, like superstitions, like um, the um, like opening an umbrella indoors being bad luck. Yeah. And it's because umbrellas, when they first became, you know, like a, a, a thing, because there's paper parasols and stuff. But when they started being able to use like metal and it had like a spring action. Yeah. Um, they were deadly weapons. They were very, very dangerous and very pokey. And so you, it became courtesy mm -hmm. to not open your umbrella indoors because you could actually physically hurt someone. And right. so therefore it became looked upon as bad etiquette, which then eventually became bad luck. Yeah, they, but really, they just didn't want you stabbing someone in the eye when you were like, "Oh, I don't want to get my blouse wet." <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's a thing. form and function, and then all of a sudden, how how quickly something can change from one little incident, and then then the I guess it's almost like that uh, that game telephone where somebody yeah. says one thing, and then all of a sudden. A couple of years down the line, no, this is what it really is. Like, can you go yeah, ahead? yeah, and that, like, there's there's a few of those kind of more like modern cryptid phenomenon, like the um, was it like the is it like the Thin Man or something like that? That like yeah. kind of mysteriously just sort of only came about in the last like ten or fifteen years because you know, oh, the tulpa, internet, or tulpa, or tulka, tulpa, tulpa. Tulpa, where, where people are like, yeah, they where they, they start telling the story and the story comes to life. Yep. Yeah, and that yep. was a. I think they did a, a episode of that on Supernatural, the TV show, where everybody was talking about it on the internet, and this thing yeah. showed up. Yeah, and then it became, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, hey, the art of manifestation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Un well, unwitting manifestation of monsters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we got a, a few minutes left. Tell us about this werewolf okay, recipe. Okay, so yeah, so I have been. Um, and I kind of, I, I, I was on Dave Scott's show last night and we were talking about werewolves and I, I have been researching um, a little bit more about werewolves. And one of, one of the things that's really been kind of blowing my mind lately as the number of people who are, um, or, or the documented cases of deliberately wanting to become a werewolf um, I think that I had the idea that werewolfism or lycanthropy was something more like a disease that you would catch in the way like a vampire bites you. Right. But in fact, there's more and more evidence. I mean, I think we kind of know this in, in North America, at least with a lot of the um, kind of more shamanistic rituals or the more um, 
uh, it, like animal skin donning type rituals, which we mm -hmm. see across also pagan Europe. The, the invocation of crossing into the animal realm um, allows a sort of element of shape-shifting. So, I mean, that's, that's not like as revolutionary, but the idea that people, frequently witches or, um, or magical practitioners, mm -hmm. were using the full moon and the power of the full moon and lycanthropic streams or plants in order to actually try and make themselves into werewolves. Wow. So that's really trippy. So I just want to, you'll, you'll really appreciate this because it's the delicious recipe. Okay. And this is from um, Elliot O'Donnell is an Irish writer. He wrote this, he published this in 1917. And he, he's one of my two favorite werewolf writers of the back in the day. Um, so this is, you know, he's got this list of all of these things, but this is yet another method of acquiring the property of lycanthropy consists in making first a magic circle on the ground at 12 o'clock on a night when the moon is full. There is no strict rule as to the magnitude of the circle, though one of about seven feet in diameter would seem to be the size most commonly adopted. Then in the center of the circle, a wood fire heating thereon an iron vessel containing one pint of clear spring water. And any seven of the following ingredients, hemlock, aloe, opium, mandrake, solanum, poppy seed, asafeta, and parsley. Wow. Uh, most of those <laughs> cause pretty extreme hallucinations and death. <laughs> and death. So, <laughs> you know, I just, I was, there's, there's actually like, uh, I, I just found all of this because, you know, I'm working on this book that is a little bit more about the plants and how they come into lore. And um, so I came up, I, I just hit that and I was like, wow, this is just amazing. And it even says just for the recipe, um, half an ounce to one ounce of hemlock, uh, 30 grains of aloe, two to four and a half drums of opium, yeah. just opium. Doesn't say <laughs> law, no, just, just opium. If you can get your hands on pure opium. One ounce to one and a half ounces of mandrake, because, you know, that half ounce could really make all the difference. Right, right. Um, solanum, by which I assume they're referring to belladonna or deadly nightshade, yeah. probably, but can't be sure. Right, and a, and a tomato is a nightshade, so hey. Tomato is a nightshade, so is a potato. So it could yeah. be like, you know, there's a lot of um, Lots, lots of potatoes over there in Ireland. Right. Um, poppy seed. Um Asafedida is like a, kind of a, a really smelly root that okay. is looks a little bit. I think the plant looks a little bit like a garlic. I actually think it might be a garlic relative, and and then parsley. You just <laughs> throw in two to three ounces of parsley. Why not? You know, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> make sure it tastes good. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, we gotta so wrap this one up there quickly. Tell them uh, where they can go and track you down for all of your stuff, your books, and everything like that. There, Varla. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, VarlaVentura.net. Um, books are available wherever books are sold, and you can you can find me on all the places um, under the name Varla Ventura. All the all the social all the socials, all except the socials. TikTok. I haven't quite wrapped my mind around TikTok yet. <laughs> yeah, either I'm just I. not a video person, so I I I I really am a, a slow adapter. I'm you know. <laughs> We do what we can do, I guess. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stand in my lane with the written word. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I want to thank you very much for joining me and we'll do this once again with uh, another different iteration of whatever these uh, holidays and uh, days come across this uh, year. I want to thank my production crew there for uh, sticking (laughs) with me. And uh, this has been the delicious recipe and uh, for yeah, February and we're into uh, in bulk. We're into the beginning beginning of the end of winter into spring. So uh, thank you all for tuning in and we'll check you all next week.